0: Dude, that's Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. What's up, y'all? I have a great conversation to share with you today. My guest is a Super Bowl champion, a fellow girl dad, and got bit hard by the golf bug not so long ago. Excited to welcome on Victor Cruz. Vic just got to play Royal Liverpool ahead of the 151st Open Championship. So looking forward to getting his course notes. Let's get right to it. Well, I'm thrilled to have Victor Cruz join the Smiley Show. Big fan of Vic and uh, all he did on the football field. But tell you what, I think we're seeing you pop up more on the golf course now more than ever. (laughs) When, uh, When did the golf bug start for you? Man,
1: it started about three years ago. It's my third summer now playing golf. And I'm just like, just completely dialed there. I got the bug, so to speak, and I'm just playing as much as I can. I'm playing with as many people as I can, playing recurringly with all friends and homies and all the guys that I play with. So it's just been great, both learning a new sport, right, and, and, you know, having those challenges and trying to overcome those, and then also just the camaraderie, like with, you know, some former players, some current players that i played with against or with and things like that. So... It's, um, it, it's been a fun experience overall so far. Yeah, who's the one that got you hooked? It was actually my daughter. So my daughter's been going since she was about five, five or six years old. She's 11 now. And it was a couple of years ago where I was like, you know, where I, I wasn't even into the sport at all. And then I decided to go watch her practice. And if anyone knows my daughter, she's like all over the place, rambunctious, like always wants to be the life of the party, personality. And this was the first thing that she actually like was quiet and was putting and was focused and was locked in. And I was like, this is the sport that makes you shut up? Like, why didn't I, <laughs> why didn't I say this <laughs> ago? So now she's 11 and um, she's competing in like junior events. Take her to golf camp down at IMG in a couple of weeks. So like, we're we're fully locked into this thing.
0: Man, so be, just being a father and, and having a daughter that's into the game, you know, you played football and, and you're still trying to learn this game yourself. How's it been trying to, to help her? Just is it something that you all do together? That's been the uh, most enjoyable part. Been the best part is like
1: just watching her grow and and watching the growing pains that, that we both had throughout the sport. So it's just, <laughs> I think that's been the best part is like just seeing her grow through it, seeing her challenge these ups and downs and get through them and cry and laugh. Like, that's the one thing about the golf course is you can't hide from daddy for four hours. We got to talk, we got to have conversation, you got to have your rollercoaster of emotion, whatever it is. But we're going to fight through that and come out the other end and be better. Um, So that's one of the best things that golf just teaches
0: all of us. Yeah, my mom used to bring Skittles out on the golf course for us (laughs) and made it a game for us to, first off, to get along with my brother, but also to try to enjoy the game more. If we'd made a putt or something, she would give us a Skittle. So it's something like that that's like enjoyable. I that. But also, I have a daughter too, uh, six months, so she's not quite into golf yet. But I'm mm. hoping that she eventually will enjoy it like your daughter does. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. It, it, it's just a matter of keeping her around it, man. She's going to live and
1: breathe it through you every day. She's going to see it. I'm sure she's already got her first putter ready. Just waiting <laughs> she's for dialed. To just like, you know what I mean? Fully dialed in. So the more they just grow up around it. And then it's funny because uh, towards me, she'll never tell me she loves it. But whenever she's like uh, challenged competitively by her peers or her friends, she like turns up like, oh no, I actually play golf. Like this is, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, oh, okay. So she actually, she likes this. She enjoys the, comp- the competitive aspect of it. So I'm, I know there's a, a little golfer in there, which I love.
0: I love that so much, and she got you into it, too, and so give me, the, like, the Mel Kuyper Jr. breakdown of Victor Cruz's golf game, strengths, weaknesses, <laughs> handicap, I just want to hear it all, just so I, I, just saw your golf swing right as you got on, and you make a pretty nice move at it. Yeah, I've been working at it, I'm, I'm a 12.5 handicap,
1: you know, I'm great, short game and putting is definitely my strength. Getting off the tee box has been a, a bit of an issue, but we're starting to correct that. We're starting to get you know, reach some fairways and being play for shot two for our approach shot. So it's all coming together, man. I think it's just a matter of the more I work at it, the more I'm out there playing, the more I'm getting those live because on the range I look like Tiger. Let's be very clear. Don't we all on the range? <laughs> and it was so crazy. I got the chance to play in the Invitational, the Open Invitational at Royal Hole uh, Lake, which those guys are playing this week. And I was hitting balls, right, and then I hear like a gunshot go off next to me. I'm like, "Who is that?" And it's Hideki Matsuyama, and it's just (laughs) every ball is just crushed, and it's like thirty feet in the air. And I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like this is okay. There's a there's a difference level between where I am and where these professionals are, and the levels that they play at is just night and day.
0: Have you had had you ever played or seen a pro? Uh, golfer hit a shot before was that the first time
1: no i have i actually got fortunate enough to play with rory at the pro Am last year okay and, like, got all to right, so all you've seen things. it so so i've been around i've heard it but it's just you know every guy is different every guy i mean i mean rory's swing was by far that was i think that was the first time i saw a professional swing in front of me and just to, and to have it be rory was like okay this is this is a different level of golf different brand of golf that i'm seeing here
0: I mean, are you so dialed in that you type in YouTube and you're looking at Rory McIlroy golf swings and, and you're trying to figure out what he does? Are you are you that yeah, far along no. or do you just go out and play? On YouTube, bro, I've re- I've screen
1: recorded Rory swing, Justin Thomas's swing, Jordan Speed swing. And I look at it and I drag the can, you know, back and forth in yeah, yeah. slow-mo so I can see the angles, the head placement, the knee flat. Like I'm looking at everything getting all the information that i possibly can and then on instagram i mean i just said the word golf 16 times my entire instagram feed is going to be golf swings now when we go back so it's
0: perfect (laughs) man you're a golf nut just like the rest of us so when you uh, see their swings in slow-mo and you're looking at it what do you see in their swing that you're trying to get more in your golf swing right now what what are you working on i think it's for me right now it's just ball compression like how do i
1: just flush the ball and keep that same consistent ball strike each and every time. And I think that's the difference. Is that like, yeah, I can hit it one time. Every, you know, for the most part, I want to be able to create that consistency with my golf swing so that those approach shot. I think my approach shots are my are the the, the worst part of my game. It's mm. like I can get off the tee box, but when I'm one eighty out, one seventy out, one fifty shot, like. Somehow I just either don't line it up right or my aim is off. So I I watch aim videos all the time. I'm starting to train with the aim stick and doing that whole thing. So it's, (laughs) it's, uh, so it's, it's, it's that part of it, but but ball compression is number one right now.
0: Ball compression. Okay. So that's kind of learning how to lean the shaft a little bit or just wag the club. Uh, so, okay. I feel you there. And Mm -hmm. short game, that Mm -hmm. doesn't surprise me. That's one of the, things i think guys pick up the quickest but definitely yeah. the more you play it sounds like you're you're realizing okay i gotta get better at this now it, it can be overwhelming you know there's just so many things in golf that you gotta work on there's so many different swings there's do you want to hit a draw and you set up for
1: the draw you want to hit a fade you want to hit a stinger put it in the back of your stance i'm watching jason day talking about the uh the way he hits is that he doesn't move anything just goes from what so it's just like, and then I see other chips, even when I was at the open, I'm seeing chips with a lot of wrist hinge. And I'm just like, well, which way do I chip? Like, I don't know which <laughs> way to chip. Is it both? Do I need to master both? Somebody tell me which way is the right way.
0: So yeah. So I can
1: figure it out. You know what I mean? But I think if you find a way that works for you, then then it works.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. It's, it's about getting you know, as much information as you can, but sometimes it doesn't work for everybody. So it it sounds like you're kind of figuring it all out a little bit and football and golf are so, so different, you know, it's just like polar opposite. As far as the sports go, you get a loud environment versus a quiet environment, uh, a team aspect versus an individual competition. I mean, how do you draw the similarities kind of between the two? I think the, obviously a completely different sport
1: and I think where it comes into play is the mindset. I think you still, you know, I approach golf rounds sometimes or most of the time, like I do football games. Maybe not as high intensity, but I go in with like that self-talk of like, okay, it's a new day. It's a new opportunity to break 80, break 90 or go low and just try to like play our best round of golf that we've played to date. Like, you know, have that self-talk and then start Depending on where you're playing, start to like. I always visualize myself like making par, hitting the ball mm. web, getting down that fairway. Like I, I start to envision that um, as I'm walking up to the course or as I'm about to play. So I think mentally preparing for each of the sports is is definitely similar. And then just maintaining a temperament, right? You're gonna hit a bad shot. You're gonna, you know, fly a putt sometimes. It just happens. So. It's about maintaining your composure through that, because as we all know, as I definitely know, once I get angry over that shot, the next four shots are done. The whole next hole is completely finished for me. So I got to make sure I keep that resolve and keep that calmness and continue to trust my swing. Yeah, I think that's the part I'm at now is like, all right, you messed that up, but your entire swing isn't broken. Continue to keep swinging your
0: swing and get things to happen. So when you hit a really good shot, where... Mm-hmm do we bring out the salsa dance? I've only <laughs> like, said... Is it a big putt? Is it a pulled out bunker shot? Like, where do we draw in well, the line it's, here? It's only Eagles and Birdies. So so Eagles and Birdies is when, uh, is when we bring out the salsa for sure. I mean, somebody <laughs> on tour needs to bring out the salsa dance. It's just... is <laughs> I think it's... I mean, you're so recognizable, but man, that salsa dance, you, you burst on the scene so quickly in the NFL. And I think that salsa dance made you just so recognizable and, and different, you know, like where what's the story behind that? Yeah, I think it was just a cultural
1: thing, man. You know, like I'm half Puerto Rican, half black. I grew up with my uh, with my grandparents on my on my Spanish side of my mom, obviously. So my grandmother, you know, I was born pretty much dancing all of these dances. My grandmother taught me each and every one of them in the living room. Um m- much to my, you know, much to my belief that I wanted to, to learn these dances. I didn't want to at the time. I was a kid that just wanted to play outside. And she was like, you're gonna love me for this later. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And then fast forward, I make it to the NFL and um, I have the opportunity to like do a signature thing or have one of my coaches insinuate that like you should do something to represent your culture, your heritage. And I'm just like, coach, what do you, what do you want me to do? I don't... So he was like, you'll know. He never told me to dance. He never told me to do anything. He was just like, when you get in there in the moment, you'll just know. It'll just be instinctual. And I was just like, okay, cool. Not thinking that I was going to get my first start on I mean, a few, you know, that third week of the season. And I was just trying to catch the ball from Eli Manning and not get cursed out and make sure I live <laughs> to fight another day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, turns out, first catch I have is a 65 yard touchdown on the sideline. And I was just like, well, I got to do something now. And immediately, Sauce's instance came into my brain because it, it it just embodied like swagger my cultural background it was also like making everyone in Philly upset which is always great like it was just it just all those things culminating and it was like
0: I gotta do this I gotta do this it's the only way to, it's the only way to celebrate this stuff. it's amazing man uh, I, I think fantasy football was kind of breaking out during the time at least when you were mm-hmm. playing and I remember I picked you up pretty early in that process and I feel like I won the league that year because of you, because you scored so many long touchdowns. I feel like you would always rack up so many big yards and you were the guy that everybody wanted on their team. And it, so, so thank you uh, for that. You're you're (laughs) very welcome. Was it annoying? Was fantasy football annoying for players? Was that something that just you got or tweeted about all the time? I just, I can imagine that'd be pretty frustrating at times
1: yeah for sure it used to be I mean not annoying but you just take it for what it is you know you can yeah. drive or you pull up to a restaurant a venue and be like man you put up. I mean thankfully I was for the most part on the right side of those conversations thankfully but I know but but at the same time I would get the yo man you great this week you gave me 27 points but you gotta talk to about Bradshaw you wanna give me 11 this? Like, they do that you know they do the, the contrast thing so um, but yeah I mean Every game you go into it and you just like got to hear about the fans and different angles of what they want you to do and how much better they want you to be. This game is already hard. enough. Like, don't put an additional thing of me having to get you a certain amount of points every week for you to be my friend and continue to be my (laughs) fan. Like, this is
0: crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to take you back just a little bit being undrafted to the Giants. Man, what where where was your head at when you showed up with the New York Giants getting drafted, or excuse me, signing with them, and and going through that process? You know, where was your level of doubt, and did you really believe that you were going to be a star in the NFL one day? Um, it's interesting you ask that. I was, I remember right after the draft, and you
1: know, for those that don't know, after the draft, free agents uh, mm-hmm. they get a call from their agent, so their scouts are the representatives from these teams call these agents on these players that they would want to have on their roster throughout the training camp, or give them an opportunity. And they, uh, they tell them that they're interested. Your agent now garners these phone calls from their, these respective teams calls you and says, Hey, here are your options. Um, these are the teams that have uh, free agent deals waiting for you. Uh, and it was Washington, Seattle, and the Giants. Never forget it. And as soon as he said the Giants, I was like, Oh, done. Like. It wasn't I didn't even count to see how many receivers they had. I didn't even look at, I mean, I also had a chart. I was a junkie for through the draft. I had a chart of all the receivers from every team that were in the draft, where they went, how many receivers these teams Hmm. already had on their roster. Like I did that whole thing to see where I fit in. And I went back and looked and I was like, oh man, they got eight receivers. They got eight receivers on the roster already. But I was just like, you know what? It's in my backyard. I'll be home. If I make it here and it doesn't work out, I At least I said, I tried my best here at home. And it wasn't until I got into training camp and I started making plays and I started making plays and I'm doing different things. I'm just like, wow, this is coming to me fairly easy. Did it surprise you? It absolutely surprised me because, I mean, I came from a one AA school, so I was already like, I need to go above and beyond here to let them know that I belong, you know? So I was just going hard. Like I didn't know anything Mm -hmm. else. And for me to be doing some of the things I was doing, I was surprising myself, but I didn't even have time to like think about that or think about what I did yesterday because tomorrow was just as important as yesterday. You know what I mean? So um, I, it wasn't until that first Jets game in the preseason where I was like, OK, I think I could I think I could do something in this
0: league. Yeah. I mean, you had three touchdown catches in that game. What do you what do you yeah. credit that to in in training camp in the in the preseason being able to, you know, get off to a hot start. Was that from your time in college where you coached well? Or do you just, do you think it was a product of being in an environment where you just know you had to push yourself to be able to make it almost back against the wall?
1: I think it was all of that. I think it was me coming out of high school and not having the right break. Right Taking an SAT score there, getting finally getting into UMass. You know, flunking out twice for academic issues and then being hungry enough to stick with it, get back in the U.S., finish with a 3.0 GPA, become an American, have an opportunity to go to the NFL. But it was always those mishaps and the hunger to stay in it that prepared me, I think, for that moment and prepared me to be like, okay, now you're here. There's no other distractions. There's no school. There's nothing else you need to do. You need to just focus on football, focus on your playbook, figure out what it was you needed to to become better and see where the chips fall. And I think it was that mindset of the things that I went through and overcoming them being like, Oh, this is the easy. part." Like now I get to play football and not think about anything else. This is, this is great.
0: You know what I mean? Oh, no, you're exactly right. And I think everybody kind of has their story as a pro athlete of how they made it, whether you're, you know, um, Tom Brady, or whether you're somebody else, you know, everybody's got their story. And I think. You got to have skill. You got to be talented. That's one thing, and then you need an opportunity, and then you need a little bit of luck too. And if you mm-hmm. kind of combine those, that recipe together, and success can happen. And you just got to be able to know when that is and take advantage of it. And so, in 2010, that was your first year with the Giants, and you get hurt. Where was your head at going into 2011, knowing you're like, God, I just I got my break, and then it's like, just that had to be frustrating. It
1: was definitely frustrating, especially because the following training camp, I didn't have the greatest camp. Like I didn't I didn't have the same, you know, insane camp that I did my rookie year, which was tough to do in itself. You know, it's not, that's always not going to happen every year, but I knew that I was like, I just got to keep working hard. And then in hindsight, finding out that I was inches away from being cut that second year, like inches away from, from not being on that theme. So understanding that, and then them putting a fire up under me, right? I, I distinctly remember making the team that following year and Coach Coughlin bringing me up to his office right when I made a team, right after that first practice. He said, after practice, come up and see me. And I was like, okay. And I go upstairs to go see him. And he says, hey, man, you need to, you know, you didn't have a great uh, preseason this year. You need to go improve yourself. Or we got some guys on this waiver wire that we're looking at. And that was the most blunt, like, adult thing that I've ever had to go through. And I was just like, Okay. And I went out to practice and they brought in Brandon Stokely, I'll never forget it. And to me, it felt like a slap in the face. It was like, okay, you guys don't believe in me, don't believe in what I'll do what I can do. Okay. Here we go. So uh there were some injuries um to, to our receiving core. Marman and him got hurt. And then I was the only guy that had been there long enough, that knew all the plays that they trusted mm-hmm. enough to play in the game. And then that first game was against the Philadelphia Eagles in week three where I had, uh, what, two touchdowns, 100 yards, and the whole thing. So that's when it, like, started to flip and then finished the year off with a Super Bowl. I mean, you can't, uh, you can't draw it out kind of any, any better than what it was. So yeah, it was 1,500. Pretty, was pretty magical.
0: 1,500 receiving yards. What was your relationship like with Eli Manning? Oh, it was, was incredible, instant, man. Instant he chemistry?
1: Instant chemistry. We hit it off right away. A lot of people may not even know this, like, during, during the lockout, I was the one of the only guys that were staying in New Jersey and that was local. And he would call me to go to his Hoboken home and be in like a dog park, throwing, playing catch, like throwing balls. He's like walking me through certain things, certain plays, things he likes. Mind you, I'm an undrafted free agent and he's just walking me through things and just making sure I'm prepared and what I know the offense and just keeping me up to speed, which I know also helped him just continue to say those things out loud and reiterate those plays and help him understand them even deeper. And that, I mean, he doesn't even know this, but those moments helped me incredibly because for this guy to take this time out and do this with me meant a lot to me. And I was like, I got to go out there when I get my opportunity and, and reward him and pay him back for it somehow. But I already knew all the things he liked from a quarterback perspective on the football field so early
0: on that I kind of had a leg up on a lot of guys going into camp. That's so interesting. And I would have never known that, but it it doesn't surprise me because y'all had such a great chemistry. What do you think he liked the most about Victor Cruz as a wide receiver? Oh man, I think the fact, the fact that I would take short passes and go a long ways
1: with them, I think he liked that. A lot. But I think the most part is a lot of our offense was predicated on my body language and him having to read my body language, have all of these option routes. And knowing that if the guy was on my inside lever, i have to break out. And if the guy was on my outside lever, have to break in. Or if they were too low, I'd go straight and run right by. So he, you know, it, it took a while to kind of get that together because it's a very, very tough offense. But once we got it down and started to visually see the field the same way, mm-hmm. I think that's when we saw the type of chemistry that we had and going
0: into winning a, winning a Super Bowl together. So you're just standing over, like before the ball is even... Uh, hiked and you're just sitting there looking at the defense and y'all both know like touchdown like you just see you see the field 100%. you both know it that's that's yeah, a play right there. in
1: Washington there's a play in Washington where I mean this is for the game too this is fourth quarter it's like under two minutes left I think uh, this is RG three year so he had just threw a, a touchdown pass to Sonoris Moss in the, in the corner of the end zone and we're like man we got to come score. And I remember lining up and being like, okay, we have a specific play where if that safety is under 15 yards and I have this specific option route, I can run right by him. And I distinctly remember lining up and looking into Eli and him looking, he was looking at me like eye to eye right before the ball And he didn't even make any gesture or say anything, but the fact that he was looking at me, let me know like, it's it's going down. It's going down. I was like, it's going down. And then I I ran right by him, and by the time I ran by him and I looked up, the ball was perfectly placed, and I just caught it, and it continued to run into the end zone to touch. And it was uh, was like that for a majority of our time together, just understanding exactly where I was going to be and being there at the right time.
0: (laughs) Uh, Eli Manning's a big golfer. You got to go to Eli Manning stories that are your favorite that just sticks out like a sore thumb. Oh man, that, my favorite one. I mean, there's so many, especially Frank ones. But my <laughs> played, favorite one is I play golf in him once.
1: <laughs> so, so if you ever play with him again, ask him about how he got his phone, Because okay. he hates telling this story. Because apparently he hit a, he hit like it like shanked left, hit a tree, bounced off a stump, hit the green, and like went. So he so it's although not he it's not real. Stuff, isn't it? <laughs> he's like he doesn't count it he hates it because he doesn't count it bro that's a whole it's actually an even more special hole-in-one you should i brag about this to everyone Are you kidding oh, man. but he doesn't he doesn't because it was it wasn't done in the most traditional sense
0: mm. oh man that's incredible um <laughs> man so you play in a super bowl and i've always wondered what the psyche is for a guy that you know it's coming off of, you know, the NFC championship game, you got two weeks off before the Super Bowl. And then I can imagine the day of the game, it just probably feels like it takes forever to get to the game. And typically in big events that I've played in it's same for golf, it just seems like it takes forever to get to the tee time. And then they, the day goes by so fast. How are you able to kind of manage that day before the Super Bowl, and then when you got out there, also not too far ahead, it was tough, honestly, because you know I'm a 24 year old kid.
1: I'm sitting there in the hotel room or going through that week of practice, and you just want that day to get there. You just want that moment to just happen already. You want to feel what the energy feels like within a stadium where the Super Bowl is being held. You're playing mm-hmm. All the little wild childhood dream things are coming to fruition. And you kind of, you know, you want it, you kind of want to sit and relish in all of it throughout the week and kind of take it all in, but you want to get to that game because you know how much, it, how much is riding on it. people are going to be watching, how much your family is already here, ready for it, to watch you win and, and things like that, and how much they sacrificed for me to even be in this, in this position that I'm in today. You know what I mean? So it was, you know, the night before it was tough because you're watching the SPN, you're talking to the fam, you're talking to all your homies, you're trying to get you're waking up in the middle of the night, you're like rereading your plays a million times, to make sure you got the scheme down pat. And those were probably the most flawless, that was the most flawless week of practice I've ever been a part of at any uh, of my career. We didn't make any mistakes. We didn't drop a, a pass. We To the point where our coaches were in the meetings afterwards, like, guys, we don't, there's nothing to critique. <laughs> like, you guys did, you guys are fully prepared for this game. Like, it's time to go out there and just play. And, um, and we got to the game, and, you know, you just look around. Michael Irving on this side, and Phil Sims on that side, and Mark Taylor running around, and Joe Buck doing the game, Troy Aikman is mic'd up, and Steve Young is running around field with Jerry Rice, and, like, you just, you just know this is a different game than anything mm-hmm. you've ever been a part of. And then to go out there and win it and to score a touchdown in it and to, like, have a dramatic ending, you know, it's just like, I can't, I can't believe it. And, the to
0: beat the, and to beat the Patriots had to be pretty sweet. It's just a cherry on top, my friend. It's a cherry on top. <laughs> Chef's kiss. <laughs> Chef's kiss. <laughs> all right, who's who's the best defensive back you ever played against?
1: Ooh, best defensive back I ever played against too, is Patrick Peterson.
0: Go Tigers! And,
1: uh, and yep, yeah, and and Darrell Revis. First of all, you got to be smart to play the game of, of corner, right? You got to understand tendencies. You got to be extremely athletic you got to understand different route combinations you got to understand you know 3 by 1 sets what route combinations there's so many things that come along with being a defensive back so for me to line up at certain times and for them to be calling out our plays or to be calling out the things that we were doing pre-snap like if he saw a motion he'd be like watch the toss watch this and and about 80% of the time he was right i mean he still had to stop it he still had to you know, do the whole thing. But 80% of the time, whenever he whispered to me or whenever he said, oh, this is a run. Or this is, or this is watch slant corner or watch slant fade or, and I'm just like, and he was right every time. The Daryl Ravens too, same thing. He would play this off coverage and be looking into the quarterback, watching you through the quarterback. And that's how he got a lot of his picks because he would sit back and be like, okay, this is a two by two set or they run slant out of this a ton. And he would see a slant and just jump it. And then either it's interception or a broken pass or, and it's just like, how are you, you know, there's playing corner and then there's playing corner to that level. And both of those guys had it at a high level for a long time in their careers.
0: Yeah. I mean, I watched Patrick Peterson at LSU and it was, it was pretty absurd. He was one of the best players that we had. He was there when I was in school and. Uh, okay. He was he was ridiculous, man. He was a joke. Um, I'm sorry I had to play guy against too. him. Great yeah, dude. and he's he's a big golfer too. Yeah, he's he's hosted me when I played in Phoenix a couple times at his house, and okay. uh, great dude. Um, he's hey. if, speaking of a guy with the golf bug. That guy can't get enough of it. He loves it. feel though, feel Yeah, and this is a question we ask for all um, for all of our guests that come on. It's what's the best play you've made on the football field. And against what's the best shot you've ever hit in a tournament or match setting in golf and which one felt better? Ooh, okay. Biggest moment on the football field was obviously,
1: I mean, it's tough. It's the biggest moment. Well, there's two for me. The One is my very first touchdown catch in the preseason against the Jets. Mm -hmm. Like that's just a moment, like That will never, I'll never forget that feeling of that day. And then obviously scoring a touchdown in the Super Bowl was like those two things are like neck and neck. Um, and then the biggest shot I've hit in a tournament. I mean, I think it was the other day. I uh, well, it wasn't. A so tournament. you're still buzzing from me. it right now. I got a hole in one. I actually have a hole in one for my first year playing golf ever, and it was the most awful shot. But it when it was elevated tee box, I kind of thinned it, but it kind of took off, landed short of the green, passed the hole up the backstop, came down directly into the hole. And I was just looking with my arms up, like, I I don't know what happened. Like, I know that a hole-in-one, but, like, this isn't how it's supposed to happen. (laughs) And everyone started jumping on me. I threw my club in the air. So to to this day, that was one of the most, like, insane moments of of my life. And Jr. Smith, I clown him all the time uh, because that's, like, my brother. And I was like, you know, you've been playing for how long? Like, 15 years? You don't have a hole-in-one? It's crazy, like. Aren't you like a scratch now? I was like, yeah, he's like, yo, just get away from me. Don't talk to me. Okay. He was so distraught when I had my whole money can't take it. It's hilarious. It hilarious. Hey, it doesn't matter how it gets in the hole. There's no picture on the scorecard. There's no picture. I learned that first day ever playing the game of golf. There's no pictures on that scorecard, baby. I remember you get there, you get there.
0: What's your best round to date right now? Best round to date is in 82. Okay. And were you just buzzing 80s. to try to shoot in the 70s? You're just... <laughs> I was
1: just right there. And I tried not to look at the scorecard, right? Like, I'm, I'll put my score in, but I'm not doing any math. I know it's good. Like, I know I just part a couple in a row. I don't want to look at it. Um, but I'm just, like, I'm on the cut. I'm, I know I'm right there from putting together a round that's, like, incredible and break 80 or just having a round, where I'm just, like, hitting all my strides. Um, I just got I just got to stay at it. but I, But I'm right there on the
0: cut. Man, like yeah, looking at your swing in action, you're 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 gonna continue to improve. You you have a lot of really good stuff going on in your golf swing. I'm not I haven't seen the rest of your game. We're gonna have to go yeah. you and I will have to get on the golf course, we'll have to see it all and uh definitely can give a point or two here and there, but it sounds like you're uh doing really nice with it. Um, so speaking of the tour, uh as you kind of gotten more into golf, is there any specific guy that you like to watch on tour? I know we kind of mentioned golf swings earlier, but do you watch much golf on TV? My, if, <laughs> my, my TV is
1: plastered on the golf channel. Believe it. Every time I turn my TV on at home the golf channels on, it really goes from there to ESPN back and forth, and then a little Fox Sports morning to watch my guy Craig Carton. But, um, but uh, there's no one. I'm just a fan of so many different swings and so many different dudes. Like Max Homa, I'm always rooting for Rory. Obviously, I'm always rooting for. Tommy Fleetwood, I just love his swing. So I'm, oh, always, good, I'm right. always watching him. It's just pure, It's so like, good. just pure. I um, Love Tony Finau, mm-hmm. uh, just his story and everything that that kind of he embodies. I love um, who else? I love Cameron Smith's putting. Like just watching him putt is incredible. I mean, he does everything, up, but like the the putting is just on another level. So just a little bit of everyone, man. Like I just I just love watching all the greats. I don't I want to watch all the good guys do it.
0: Well, I want to hear a little bit more about that experience that you had at uh, Royal Liverpool. I'm currently here in Liverpool, uh, part of the broadcast team for NBC, really excited about the week. I've gotten a chance to see the golf course. But uh, you you mentioned earlier that you did play it uh, this past week. So when did you get home? Um, what would you think of the course? Just the whole experience? Uh, I just got back two days ago. I mean, the course was
1: incredible and we got a tremendous day. To rain, it didn't rain. Got the sun for a majority of the front nine, back nine got a little chilly, but it wasn't um it didn't rain, thankfully. But that course is just incredible. Just to be walking through Liverpool and it almost feels like you're in the like in this community that you're playing through. And then you get to 17 and you kind of see that monster, and you're just like, Okay, this is this, this hole is gonna make or break this this entire tournament this weekend. And guys, it's not gonna be easy. I had a I hit a nine off short. I don't know why I hit a nine It's Probably bad caddy in my opinion. it come up what in what the is, bunker? Uh, yeah, definitely in that front bunker. And I hit a shot of the day and it was just short into that bunker. And I was at seven. I'll be up there dancing right now. So, um, but that course is just beautiful, challenging. Um, you got to stay in bounds to be effective. Like, what do you think of the bunkers? It's just a beautiful all around course. The bunkers are insane. Like, I don't even know. I get in the, we had to hit a shot out of there. It was a scramble, but we had four poor shots. So we had to hit one out of the bunker and I get in the bunker and I look and it's, it's two and a half feet over my head. And I'm just like, I got no shot for this. Like we ended up getting out of there. Definitely a daunting uh, up and down for sure. For sure.
0: Yeah. What, what'd you think of the, uh, you kind of mentioned the OB. It's very unusual for us to have, in course out of bounds and we have that on the 3rd hole and the 18th hole. Uh we I mean that OB comes in tight. What what'd you do on 3 and 18, do you remember on those drives?
1: I remember 18 cuz we did our I, I hit my drop from right into where the OB and the fescue meet in bounds but just right on the box. And then my next shot was kind of like cuz it angles in, so you got to kind of be precise on the next shot because you could still go OB. So um, it was definitely challenging. It's definitely weird visually, too, to just have yes. all this real estate on the right side and it's OB. and just like, I can't. Why? Why did we do this? This course is hard <laughs> enough. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's very weird. But but it was definitely, but I think I hit, I hit a seven iron from there and got close. I think I hit it just short. Um, right. But one of my teammates, uh, Jermaine, who's a former former soccer player, got us on the green. He had a tremendous shot, got us on the green. And we were, we were putting,
0: let's go. Uh, It almost (laughs) would be easier if it was just like a water hazard, you know, like if it visually it it would make it easier for my eye to see water hazard than just white OB sticks. And it's be so frustrating if I was playing and, and hit a shot out of bounds there. And I see my golf ball right there and I have to go (laughs) pick it up. And I'm like, I can play this. It's not out of play. That would be frustrating as a player, but and it looks I,
1: like they mounted the fescue up to create mm-hmm. the boundary line and then left the flat green. It's just like why it was more work to do that <laughs> than to just leave it alone and
0: the rest of it will be on the opposite side. But who knows? It, it you just it's gonna be hard to believe that we're not going to have some drama on that 17th hole and then three and 18 with the in course out of bounds. We just, there's just no way that we don't have something crazy happen. I feel like. Yeah. Definitely 17 going
1: into 18. If the match is close and we're coming down and guys are tied or a few strokes separate these two guys at the top, two, three guys at the top, we're going to have an eventful finish at the end for sure. It's going to (laughs) make for drama, you know, and they got all, obviously it's a major. So all the guys are in it. Full Swing will be recording at all levels, the whole thing. And we'll all get to see it in its cinematic glory very, very soon.
0: What'd you think of the Netflix? Did you get a chance to watch the first season? Of course. I was
1: glued... Dog, I was so glued <laughs> to it. I was watching it in the living room. I was in Atlanta time, watching the first, like, two episodes, swinging my driver in the crib. Like, just, like, <laughs> putting my arm in the slot of the house as I'm watching, like, Rory talking or something. I was like, something's... Something's wrong with me.
0: I need mean, no I- man. It, it's it's right. <laughs> I I typically only practice my my swings. I haven't done it watching Netflix quite like you yet. <laughs> Mine are always in an elevator. Or when right. I'm picking on my bags at baggage claim in an airport, I just can't help myself. I just cannot help myself. It's terrible. Don't blame me one bit. Don't blame you yeah. one bit, man. The problem is I get to watch these guys week in, week out, and I keep on going back and forth between who I watched last and what I'm working on. So I played i played right after i watched rory this past week at the scottish open and now i'm trying to think i i'm swinging like rory now i watch scotty now i'm trying to do footwork like scotty and then i watch tommy fleetwood i'm like god he hits his irons good i gotta have that that three-quarter follow through like tommy Fleetwood. yeah Yeah. hey i'm just like you man
1: (laughs) i love that man i love that Uh, especially fleetwood that ball compression man this we were talking about it earlier like He's the one video I watch every time for ball compression. He's, he's getting that contact down on that ball. Yeah, it's, it's,
0: it's really good. Um, mm-hmm. Was well, that your first time ever playing Lynx golf?
1: Yes, first time playing Lynx golf, first time playing in Europe, period. Yeah. Um, it so was, you like, it was what was the impressions? The, it was quite the experience. I, I, I did love, I mean, obviously I play a lot of my golf in the Northeast, New York, New Jersey area. And a lot of those courses are Haley, right? Mm-hmm. Down. And like hills and mountains, you know? but this was relatively flat, like it was some ups and downs, but not as much as like the, the upper northeast in, in in the states. So it was interesting in that regard, but don't love the bunkers, obviously, but I did love the fact that it was pretty straightforward. like these courses, they're pretty straight up and down, the, they, the hazards are pretty visible. you can hit your spots, and I think once you know, especially for these guys this week, if they're in their spots. And getting up and down, staying out of those god-awful
0: bunkers, it'll be all right. All right. Give us your pick. Who's winning the 151st Open Championship?
1: I'm going with – it's hard to do it back-to-back, man. I mean, just winning one a week ago or doing it back-to-back. But I'm going with Rory. I think if Rory can do it, he just came off a Lynx golf course with howling wins uh, so he understands how to play in those conditions. And this is no different. And like I said, if you can hit your spots in those conditions, which they're going to get rain, they're going to they're gonna get something throughout this week. They're definitely not just going to play a clean round of golf up there in that area. So I think Rory can handle those conditions the best and and maintain, uh, you know, a good mental attitude throughout the entire round and come out on top.
0: Well, Victor, this is all I got in this interview, and I wanted to thank you for coming on and definitely. Uh, When I saw your name uh, pop up that you were playing at Royal Liverpool, I was like, this guy, I was like, I got (laughs) to talk to the man that was just on the grounds because I didn't get to play. it. At least some, I can talk to somebody that's played it uh, because none of these players right now, they're all trying to get ready to play tomorrow and nobody else wants to talk. I knew I could, you'd be the guy to help us out and give us a feel what we're going to be seeing at this uh, 151st Open Championship. Uh, No problem at all, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to see this 17th hole, how these cats
1: try to figure it out and get up and down from there, make birdie, try to make fire, keep going on to the 18th. So should be a great round of golf that we see, good brand of golf that we'll see this weekend. And I'm excited for it, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, man, we, we need to get on the uh, on the link soon. I got to see this this action up close and uh, maybe one day our daughters will be playing golf together. Who knows Uh, this game will take you in some crazy places and you meet a lot of people along the way. So thanks again, Vic, and uh, we'll be seeing you soon. No problem, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great chatting with Victor Cruz. Always love seeing an athlete from a different sport, getting hooked on the game of golf. If you aren't subscribed to the feed already, make sure you do. We're going to have daily recaps of the Open Championship available here as soon as play concludes. Thanks for listening. and See you right back here after the first round of the Open. The Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.